Well, let me start by saying happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know why I was pausing there. I don't know if you wanted to say it back or just say thank you or whatever. But uh, yeah, happy Valentine's Day. It's great to see you all here. Well done for coming, uh, especially you ladies. I know this morning it had to be a bit difficult to get here on time. Uh, what with that breakfast in bed and then having to uh, try on those new diamond earrings. That had to take a little bit of time. And then making your way through all those rose petals that were all over the bedroom floor. I mean, that had to, and you still got, some of you didn't get those? That must be this afternoon. Okay, sorry. I, uh, that's happening when you get home today. I'm sure. I'm sure it's all coming. And the guys are like, Dave, seriously, shut up. Um, Casey and I, we've exchanged gifts uh, for many years now on Valentine's Day. But I have to say, I think the favorite uh, gift exchange we had on Valentine's Day was the one that we did 18 years ago today. Because the gift that I gave my wife on Valentine's Day 18 years ago today was a ring. And not just um, an ordinary ring. No, I, I put a ring on it. I, is that the phrase? Am I getting that right? <laughs> I was kind of looking towards the youth there, and they were all shaking their heads. So. <laughs> stop, stop trying, Dave. Um, yeah, we did. We got married 18 years ago today. It's our uh, wedding anniversary. Thank you. This wonderful young lady on the front row. And I've got to tell you, if you're still single out there this morning, Valentine's Day, great day to get married. It is, seriously, because for 18 years now, I've never forgotten an anniversary. For the last six weeks, Walmart and Walgreens have been reminding me that it's coming, and uh, I'm, I'm all ready. And then this morning, one gift. It's covered. Valentine's anniversary, we're sorted. So it's, it's a great day. Uh, it's a big gift, though, right? I mean, it's a really much bigger than normal. So um, just a, a great day to get married. I'm, I, I love this lady. I'm so glad that uh, she agreed to be my wife, and uh, we've had a, a fun time over the last 18 years. Um, I can remember when we got married 18 years ago today, I had, uh, had a few responsibilities leading up to that wedding day. And, and I will say, this is the only drawback of having got married on Valentine's Day, because my three responsibilities, and let's be honest, guys, if you're married, that's, that's about all you have on your wedding day, was to go and get fitted for a tux, um, show up at the church at whatever time you're meant to show up, and then book a, a hotel for the, for the wedding night. That was it. So um, she took care of the flowers and the, um, the photographer and everything. She was brilliant. She organized the whole thing, and I just was arrived when I was told to arrive. So, um, but it turns out that booking a hotel room on Valentine's night can be quite problematic because there are other people who are enjoying a night out on Valentine's night as well. It's not just uh, people who are getting married, but lots of people. And you wouldn't, you know, this is crazy. But um, if you wait till the Wednesday before the Saturday, it's even harder. <laughs> crazy, because it's like Thursday and Friday. I mean, there's loads of time still. So uh, it's amazing calling many hotels around Peoria to find that all of them are booked and all their bridal suites. And, but fortunately, the Holiday Inn downtown... <laughs> still had availability, so we started off with a very romantic <laughs> first night. But, uh, but yeah, that's one of the drawbacks of getting married on a Valentine's night. But I thought, you know, with it being Valentine's Day, what, what better Sunday than today to kick off a series about love, to get to the heart of the matter of love. So we're going to talk about this for the next four or five weeks, and I want to just put your minds at ease right now. Some of you out there are like, oh man, it's not all going to be romantic love, not all relationship love. We're going to talk about love in, in many different forms, love of um, family and friends and our love for God and his love for us. But, but definitely for the next couple of weeks, we're going to focus um, really kind of on, on romantic love. Now before we jump into that, I want to just talk to those of you here this morning that are single, 
Maybe you're divorced or widowed this morning. Please don't check out on this series. Okay, I, I recognize that this can not be maybe your favorite day of the year. It can be a little bit difficult sometimes on a day like today when, when all the um, signs are around or couples and, and everything's talking about, you know, being together. And um, I don't want you to feel like if you're single here this morning, this is some kind of series that's going to be pushing you into finding a relationship, that somehow you're incomplete until you find yourself as a couple. See, I think there are some of you here this morning that maybe you're single and you're very happy about it. This is a choice you've made, and, and good for you. That is awesome. There are ways that God can use you in your singleness that he can't use others who are married because of maybe commitments and family and that kind of thing. And you're in a great place for God to be able to use you. In fact, there was actually a guy by the name of Paul who wrote a big part of the New Testament. And, uh, and, and in one part of the letters he wrote to Corinthians, he talks about being single. He talks about it being a very honorable thing. Now, he doesn't say that it's um, better than being married, or he doesn't say it's worse than being married, but he just says it's not a bad thing to be single because God can use you in certain ways. So if you are here this morning and you are single, I want you to know that singleness should not be viewed as a curse or, or an indication that there's something wrong. Maybe it's your choice. Maybe you're here this morning and you're single, and it's not your forever choice. This isn't your forever choice. Maybe you've lost someone you loved through death or divorce. And love for you hasn't really turned out the way you hoped. I hope that in your singleness right now, you're able to find that love from God. Maybe some restoration or some, some peace or some comfort through a relationship with God. Because I think anyone here this morning as a follower of Jesus will tell you that um, as, as wonderful it is, as it is to be in a relationship with someone else, really, there will be times where they'll let you down. God will never, ever let you down. Any relationship that's built upon a relationship with God stands so much more chance of succeeding. But maybe you're here this morning and, and, and being single isn't your forever choice. You're praying that one day you'll find someone. I hope and pray you do. And I would just um, challenge you to say, hey, listen, let's just, just be looking to God. Don't be looking out thinking, where is he? Where is she? I, I honestly believe if you'll put, turn your eyes to Jesus, if you'll look to pursue him in your life, you'll find that person. So this morning, whether you're married, hoping one day to be married, uh, whether you're happy to be single, there will be something for every one of you in this series as we get to the heart of the matter of love. So this morning, I want to talk about relationships, and, and to kind of set the tone of where I'm going with this message, I'm going to talk about a movie that came out, this was like 10 years ago, um, some of you may have heard of it, some of you may have seen it, the movie was called Juno, anyone remember that movie, yeah, it was kind of a little independent movie, it had a brilliant soundtrack, and um, it was just a, a really unique story. This, the story of this movie was of this, this young teenage girl, and she gets pregnant, she's in high school, and at 16 years old, she gets pregnant, and she's left deciding what to do. Her parents are divorced. She lives with her dad, who's now remarried to her stepmom. They live in a kind of working-class, blue-collar community. And she finds herself pregnant. She's contemplating what to do, and she's even contemplating and giving up the pregnancy altogether. And then she decides to go another route and give up the baby for adoption. She doesn't feel that she can raise the child herself, so she finds an ad for a couple that are looking to adopt a baby. They can't have children themselves. And she goes, that's the route I'm going to take. I'm going to give up this child for adoption. So she meets this couple, they're married, but they can't get pregnant, but they live in this beautiful suburban home, they're just this wonderful kind of cookie cutter, beautiful couple, and she's like, you are the people who I want to raise my child, because I know you will give my child the life that I could never give her or him myself. 
But as the movie goes on, she starts to discover that not everything is as it seems. This picture-perfect couple, they have problems of their own. In fact, their relationship is falling apart. The husband of this couple, he's wanting to leave the wife. So what you find in this movie is that we have this couple whose marriage has fallen apart. We have this girl who, who has a friend who's not really a boyfriend, but she kind of likes him, and, and he's the father of a child, but basically her relationship with him is kind of a disaster. She's living with her dad and, and her stepmom because her own parents' marriage came to an end when she was just five years old. And about three quarters of the way into this movie, there's this amazing scene, just this, this really kind of tender scene of her and her dad having this conversation. As she sees all these broken relationships kind of materializing around her, she's, she's alone with her dad in the kitchen and she's asking him this question. This question which I thought was such a profound question. Because of all that's going on in her life, this 16-year-old girl, she's, she's just kind of beginning her adult life. And she's asking this question that I think maybe every teenager, every young adult, every student, every college student, probably every adult at one point has considered themselves. A question that maybe you here this morning have asked at one time or another. A question that although it may not be asked out loud every day, I feel like it just kind of sits beneath the surface of our culture, just kind of hovering there, a question in everyone's minds. She actually asks this question in, in, in two different ways. As she's sitting there with her dad, here's, here's the first way she says, here's the first thing she says. She says, I guess I wonder sometimes if two people can ever stay together for good, like people in love. This is the question she's asking. She then goes on to ask it again. She asks it this way. She goes, Dad, I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. Such a profound question. As you're watching this movie, I think it kind of echoes with, with the same question that maybe you or I have asked at times, that same question. I wonder, is it really possible for two people to stay happy together forever? And we find her in the kitchen asking her dad this question because of all that's going on in her life at that time. She's just beginning her adult life and she just wants to know, is this possible? And maybe we've asked that same question ourselves. And here's the thing. I have to believe this morning that in spite of sometimes what society shows us, despite the, the divorce and statistic rates that are out there, maybe even despite situations in our own upbringing or in our own lives, I think deep down every one of us wants to answer that question and say, yeah, I do believe it's possible. I want to believe it's possible. I'm not sure if I can say it's probable, but I, I want to believe it's possible. I want to believe in my own life that it's possible. This is the kind of marriage that I want to be in. I mean, let's be honest. I think every one of us, if we're in a marriage here today, we have this desire to be a couple that stays together. I think we probably um, want to be this couple here. Do you recognize this couple here from this movie? Yeah. We watch the movie Up, and we're like, I want to be that couple, the couple that, that grew old together. That's, that's who I want to be. I want to be the couple that one day we're, we're living together in the retirement home. And people come to visit us, and we're, we're kind of hobbling down the hall on our walkers and heading to the games room to play 
chutes and ladders or whatever the equivalent will be 40 years from now. It'll probably be Candy Crush on an iPad and people will be laughing, going, that's so old school. And we're like, this is what I used to play when I was your age. And our hands may be shaking, but we're still holding hands and, and people look on and say, I, look at that couple, that's awesome. Still in love, still together after all these years. I think deep down in every one of us, that's, that's what we aspire to. I think God put that inside of us. I think that's in our blueprint, in our makeup, that he created you to desire that kind of intimate relationship that would last a lifetime. So I think your answer to the Juno question this morning will be, yes, I do think it's possible. But I need to know how. I need to know what the, the, the keys are to that success because I'm looking around and it's easy sometimes to see a lot of examples of it not being possible. So in this series, we're going to talk about many aspects of love. But this week in particular and next week, this week being Valentine's Day and next week, I want us to talk about just love in the context of relationships. What we can do to help make sure that we don't just um, fall in love, but that we stay in love. That's, that's the, the topic of conversation this morning. Not just that we, we fall in love, but we stay in love. I want to talk about romantic love this morning and what it takes to find our way there, what it takes to look like it when we're falling in love and when we're staying in love. And we're actually going to find out this morning that Jesus had a lot to say about this subject. We're going to look to some, something that Jesus said that I think is going to help you this morning. So let's take this in, in two parts. First of all, let's cover the, the topic of fall in love. What does it take to fall in love? Well, the answer to that question is a pulse. That's it, okay? So we've covered that. So now let's talk about staying in it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it doesn't need a lot of teaching on what it takes to fall in love. We've all been there. We've, we've all met that person. You remember, don't you, what it's like when you first saw her? When you first saw him, your heart started beating just a little bit harder, didn't it? You couldn't talk properly when you were around her. Why is it that you could talk rationally with everyone else, but when you were with her, you just kind of fell over your words and you walked away going, why did I say that? I'm such an idiot. But you just kind of got tongue-tied. Or you remember when, when he said your name and how you felt, just, just the way he said your name. Some of you aren't even, mar aren't, aren't even married yet, but you've already fallen in love. Maybe someone in this section right here. Maybe you've, you've already seen the person and, you, and you've fallen in love. You haven't actually spoken to them yet, but you're in love with them. <laughs> falling in love is it's just something that, that becomes very easy. In fact, right, I don't think there's ever been an easier time to fall in love. As I was preparing for this message, I found that um, in studying, there's a, there's a magazine, it's called Online Dating Magazine. And in 2013, according to an article in Online Dating Magazine, there were 2,500 online dating services. And with social media and, and all this thing, there's all these new ways to meet people and to find the right person. Social media has exponentially increased your opportunities to find the one. And I apologize if you're single here this morning, you're saying, Dave, it's not as easy as you think, okay? Hang in there, okay? Okay, but there are so many other opportunities out there. This summer, I'm marrying a couple that met on Tinder. They met on Tinder. You may not have heard of this. This is a, an app for your phone where you swipe left if you like them and swipe right if you don't or vice versa. And if they swipe left and you swipe left, the app matches you. I mean, it's just crazy, we met a couple just uh, uh, on vacation this week, Casey and I, and uh, they, they'd met and got married. They had two children. They met on Match.com. You know, the truth is that falling in love isn't really the problem. Staying in love 
That's where the challenge comes. Falling in love, I think, we'll find comes naturally to most of us. But the reality is that staying in love, that's what we're going to look at today. What's it going to take in this world today to stay in love? Juno's dilemma becomes our dilemma. I guess I wonder sometimes if two people can ever stay together for good. Well, the good news is that this question isn't one that just came about recently. This is something that I think has been around for thousands of years. I believe this because I think Jesus addressed this. He addressed this very subject 2,000 years ago. He saw this question as a need in that culture that he found himself in, and he spoke right into the situation. He addressed this topic. He gave some incredible advice. In fact, I think he gave what's the key to unlocking this dilemma of whether it's possible to stay in love, what it takes to be able to stay in love. He didn't just answer the question. He actually showed how two people can stay in love. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at a statement that Jesus made that a writer by the name of John recorded. One simple statement that Jesus spoke to the people around, I think, is still speaking to us today on how to stay in love. He started out, we can read it in John 13, verse 34, and he started out by saying this. He says, listen, a new command I'm giving you. Or I'm giving you a new command. So, so he's telling his audience, he's telling the people there, listen, I know that there's already 10 commandments that, that Moses brought and the, that you're used to following these 10 commandments. Then I know that there's also a lot of these Old Testament laws, like 700 plus Old Testament laws that if you've been raised in the Jewish community, you'll know that these are all laws in, in how you should dress, how you should stay clean, all these things you should eat, things you shouldn't eat. I know there's a lot of different commands that you're already surrounded by, but today I'm going to give you a new command. Today, I'm going to give you something new, a new command to follow. In fact, interestingly enough, the word that Jesus uses there for new is a Greek word, and and, and in the Bible, it's translated new, but it can be translated other ways. It can be translated as remarkable or hidden or, or extraordinary. So Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something new here, something remarkable, It's it's kind of a hidden truth. It's it's extraordinary. It's going to blow your minds. This is a new, extraordinary, remarkable command that I'm going to give you today in the context of relationships. Are you ready for this? And here it comes, straight from Jesus. A new command I give to you, love one another. That's it. That's what he said. Love one another, straight from Jesus. And some of you are thinking, seriously? (laughs) That's it? (laughs) Dave, didn't you know that Valentine's Day only falls on a Sunday once every seven years? You've had six years to prepare for today. I mean, you could have given us something deep, something profound, something incredible on the topic of love. We're all thinking about love. We woke up this morning, it's Valentine's Day. Come on, give me something about love. And that's it, love one another? Come on. (laughs) But as I've been studying for this message I discovered something fascinating about what Jesus was saying here. You see, what Jesus is saying here is incredibly deep if you think about it. Because he's taking a word, love, that we're going to look at for the next five weeks. He's taking this word, love, and he's saying, hey, I'm not talking about love, the noun. I'm talking about love, the verb. You need to start looking at this word, love, as a verb. You are to love one another. 
This is huge. If you think about this in the context of relationships, this will, this will blow your minds. This will really impact the way you look at your relationships. He's saying, listen, I know that when you think about love, you tend to think of it as a noun, something you fall into, like a hole. I fell into love. Or something you fall out of, like a high chair. Oh, you fell out of the high chair. I fell out of love. I fell into love. That's a noun. Jesus is saying, listen, I know you see love as a noun, but I want to emphasize the fact that it can be a verb. It should be a verb. I want you to look at the word love as a verb. You want to inject something good into your relationship? Then start doing something. Start loving him. Start loving her. Do you know, since starting Connect, Case and I have found that one of the things that as a, a pastor and his wife uh, come across a lot is we'll, we'll meet with couples or individuals who are going through relationship struggles. And we'll meet people who it's just a small thing or it's like a major catastrophe. And we'll sit with them and you'll be amazed to, to find out this morning just how many people are at different points in their relationships and are having struggles. There's, there's a lot more than you realize. In fact, if you're struggling right now, you're not alone. Relationships are work. They're hard work. You know, let me use this as an analogy. I have a bit of a problem with car repairs. Um, I think uh, it's because I'm just somewhat untrustworthy when it comes to mechanics. I apologize, all you mechanics and car dealers out there this morning. But I've just got this kind of suspicion that every mechanic out there is trying to get my money. So um, I'll, I'll, I'm the guy that goes for the oil change, and I'm sitting there in the waiting room, and all I want is an oil change. And you see the guy coming out, and you're like, here we go. And he comes up to you with a clipboard. He goes, well, Mr. Jane, uh, we've been looking, and there's a few things I want you to know. This, this, this change in this filter should be replaced. And hey, for 50 bucks, we could do that. We could flush this or flush that, and I'm like, I don't know if this, are you sure? Are you just trying to upcharge me here? He's like, you know, you, you could do this, and your tires need rotating. I'm like, yeah, right. They rotate every time I drive. I know this. <laughs> I know this is a scam now. So, so I'm the guy who's always like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just change the oil. I don't want anything else because I'm suspicious. But the reality is that there are times when my car does need some maintenance. It does need more than just an oil change. And by putting these things off and, and by not doing them in, in a, a timely manner, I'm going to pay for it down the road. Because some of those simple fixes could have prevented a much more bigger problem in the future. You know, oftentimes, Casey and I, we find ourselves talking to couples who, who haven't changed the relationship oil since buying the car. And now they're coming to us with this massive, major mechanical issue. And, and we're realizing that because of some, a lack of maintenance along the way, a lack of, of, of doing something, a lack of loving one another, the problems appear. Can you imagine if Jesus was this first century marriage counselor? I think people would have hated him. I think couples would have gone to Jesus and they'd say, um, hey, Jesus, we're having a bit of a problem. She does this and she does that and he does this and he never does that. And, and he'd say, well, are you loving her? The person would say, well, I used to. And he'd say, no, 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 stop. You used to noun. You don't used to verb. I'm asking, are you loving her? You see, here's what you need to both do. You need to, to go home and I want you to love her. But you don't understand, Jesus. We don't love one another anymore. And Jesus says, no, no. You don't understand. You're confusing nouns and verbs. You're saying you don't feel love. You, you feel something. You feel a noun. I want to help you feel it by having you do something. I want you to go home, and I want you to love her. You've got to do it. 
and then you'll feel it. You see, think about it in the relationships that you know. Maybe even relationships you've experienced in your own life. Maybe your own family. Maybe right now even in your own relationship. You look at those relationships and you ask, well, when did I feel love the most? The noun. When did I feel love the most? And you realize it was at the beginning. It was when we first met. That's when I felt it the most. But over time, those feelings have faded. So how do I get them back? Well, I know I need to meet someone new and find those new feelings all over again. And that's what happens when you treat love like a noun, like a, an object that can come and go. Instead of looking at it like a verb and saying, this is my responsibility. There's something I can do here if I will look at love as a verb. It makes a huge difference. See, what happens when you treat love like a noun is you start looking at it as an object. I want you to discover the life-changing difference it can make when you treat love like a verb. When you choose to do something in your relationship to maintain it, to foster it, to fan the flame, to bring new life into your relationship. So as we kick off this series this morning, today's kind of an introduction into where I want to go next week, but I want us to be like the foundation on which we build this subject, the foundation on what we build this, this concept of relationships that I believe Jesus taught in these very simple phrases of love one another. So here's the bottom line. This is the thing I want all of you to leave remembering this morning. The foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. Okay, I paused there on purpose to kind of get some of your attention. You're like, okay, I like the sound of that. Um, the foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. <laughs> I think someone's saying it regularly. The foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb. This is the key, I think, moving forward. And for some of us, we think, well, that sounds a little bit too simple, but, but the reality is, yes, it is simple. But as we make love a verb, it'll start to change our relationship. I don't think the goal is to recapture the feelings. I think the feelings will come. But here's the thing about feelings. Don't you find that when you first met, it was the feelings, they were like the engine on the train. They were what drove that relationship. But as time goes on, those, those feelings, they tend to move from being the engine to the caboose. They're still there, but they're not the things that are pushing forwards anymore. They're not the things that are driving that relationship. So for our relationship to remain strong, you need to make love a verb. What are you doing in your relationship? I know this sounds simple, but the truth is it is simple. It's simple to understand. It's just not that simple sometimes to live out in our lives. And here's the thing. Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, love one another. Listen to how the verse continues on. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Listen, I want you to love, verb, one another. I want you to inject into your relationships. I want you to, to be loving towards one another. But here's the deal. I don't want you to take your cue from culture. I don't want you to look around and see love portrayed around you. No, I want you to take your cue from me as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How did Jesus love us? Well, at this time, these people weren't aware just how great Jesus' love was for them. But we today can look back and realize that what Jesus was talking about here was that Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. 
He was willing to lay down his life for us. You see, um, as you read the Bible, you, just, you discover that because of the things in our life that we, we just are, are born into, the Bible calls it sin, the wrong things we do, there's this separation between us and God. And the only thing that can bring us and God back together again um, it, was Jesus living a perfect life. So he lived a perfect life. He died in our place so that we could have a relationship with God. Before some of us even knew about what Jesus had done for us, he still went to the cross and died for us. His selfless act of love was to die in our place. He's saying that's how you should love one another. Even when they didn't deserve it, Jesus still came and died for us. Even though they didn't earn it in any way, I still came and died. So that is how you are to love one another. Think about it. Jesus has kind of set the bar there. He's kind of given us the example. It makes it difficult because right now I think there are some of you sat here and you're thinking, I hope he's paying attention. I hope he's listening to what Dave says this morning because he is hitting the nail right on the head. If he doesn't catch what Dave's saying here this morning, we've got problems because this is all for him. Or she needs to be listening to this. But some of us need to make a choice to start loving our spouse, to start making love a verb and doing something. Even if we feel that the problem lies on the other side of the table, maybe there's still something we can do as we make love a verb that will help us stay together. Some of you will be amazed at how things can change in your relationship whether you're willing to make love a verb and start doing something. Casey and I, it's our anniversary today, as I said, so uh, we don't get to do this every year on our anniversary. We try and do something. We try and go on a trip together, or we try and just go for a a night away somewhere together, just because throughout our years, we love our family, and we love being parents, but it's, it's great sometimes just the two of us to go away. In fact, we had some dear friends when we used to work up in Chicago. He was a marriage counselor and his wife, and I remember them telling us one day that, you know, sometimes throughout your married life, sometimes you've got to just go away, just you and the girl you're married. Just you and your sweetheart, you and your girlfriend, just the two of you. And, and, and we went on this trip last week. We had a great time. And, and it was amazing. We talked to some other couples there. And, and some of them were saying, you know, it's funny. We've, we've traveled away without the kids. And our friends are like, you're crazy. You're going on vacation without the kids. What are you going to do? What are you going to talk about? Because some families, they're so used to go away as families. And, and I'm not saying take trips, but it could be a night out or a date night or something. There are things that you can be doing to make love a verb. And next week, we're going to dig a little deeper into this and look at what that looks like practically. But I want to set this as the foundation today. So so let me conclude with this thought this morning. As we've laid out this groundwork, as we've laid out this foundation, let me conclude with this thought. I realize this morning that for some of you, this message may have come too late. Maybe you're looking back at a failed relationship, maybe even several. Please, please don't, don't leave here this morning with any sense of condemnation. You know, there's nothing we can do now to change the past. The enemy, he wants to keep putting us back there all the time, reminding us of our failures, reminding us of our shortcomings, telling us that that's who we are. That's not who we are. That's who we were. When Jesus sees you, he looks at you today, full of grace and forgiveness for all of our past failures, all of our past mistakes. We have today moving forwards. I want you to hear this message not as any kind of condemnation or any kind of looking back on the mistakes of the past, but a challenge to say, Jesus, that's how I want to move forward. That's what I want my future to look like. That's what I want the relationship that I'm in right now to look like. That's what I want the relationship that one day I'm hoping to find to look like. 
I want to be the answer to the question that Juno asked. Yes, it is possible for a couple to fall in love and to stay together. And moving forward, it's, it's very simple, but this is the commitment I'm going to make. I'm going to make love a verb. I'm going to choose in my relationship to do some things, to do some things, to inject some things into this relationship. And maybe they won't always be reciprocated, but I know that I'm responsible for my side of it. So I'm going to make sure that there are some things here I can do like the maintenance of my vehicle that will make sure that this relationship stays healthy. You know, there's a movie that came out last year, I think it was called The War Room. Maybe some of you saw it, but if you didn't, it was about this couple, and they were um, a church-going family, but they maybe weren't really, Jesus wasn't really the center of their lives. And the lady, the wife, she's a, she's, she's a realtor, and she's helping this elderly lady sell her house. And as she's looking around this house, she finds this closet upstairs, and the, the lady who owns the house, she says, well, that's the war room. She says, what do you mean, the war room? She says, well, that's where I go to do war every day. And she said, what do you mean, do war? She goes, well, that's where I go and I pray. And I kneel down in that room and I speak to Jesus because I believe that there are things in my life that I need to battle for. And she talks about her relationship with her husband who had since passed away and she talks about these things and and she encourages this younger lady, this realtor, you need to get yourself a room in your house where you can go and you can do battle. Well, as time goes on, the, the relationship grows and this lady starts to share with this elderly lady the problems in her marriage. My husband's this, he does this, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do this. And she goes, well, it sounds to me like you've got a problem too. You've got a problem in the way you're thinking. You need to go in there and start praying for your husband, start doing stuff. And it's an amazing movie because that's exactly what happens. And you see this transformation take place in the life of the husband because suddenly the wife is praying and she's really wanting God's best for him. And she's treating him differently, and she's, she's, she's making love a goal. She's saying, I want to do things in this relationship to make it stronger. And she starts to feel better about herself, and it starts to have an effect on the husband. And I think for some of us this morning, maybe we're, we're at that point. It could be because of tension or troubles or just the length of time that we've been together, but we're just at a bit of a stalemate. And I would challenge you on this Valentine's Day as we kick off this series on love. Make love a goal. Make the the love a a verb. Make it a verb. That you'll do something to, to change the state of your relationship. It is never too late. You are responsible for your part in making love a verb. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I just pray for everyone in the room this morning. I know, Lord, that when we speak on a subject like this, it's... It's so difficult because I know that there are people here who will hear what I'm saying from many different contexts. There will be some who have been happily married for many, many years and could come up here and, and, and just kind of say, Dave, you've you hit the nail right on the head. That's the success to our marriage. We've, we've worked hard at it and we've, we've made love a verb in our lives. There are others who will say, man, I wish I'd known this years ago when I could have done something different because now I'm looking back on a, a, a casualty in a relationship. Maybe there's some here this morning that are single and are looking for a relationship and have that question in their mind. Is it possible to find someone and to stay together forever? Lord, I pray on this Valentine's Day as we think about um, this topic of love, as we think about what it would look like to stay together forever, I pray that every one of us remember that the foundation for staying in love is to make love a verb and that we would uh, in every way possible in our lives do that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.